you didn't get it. You were never gonna get it. They, they dangle these things in front of you. They tell you you got a chance, but I'm sorry, it's a lie. Because they had already made up their mind and they knew what they were gonna do before you walked in the door. You made a mistake and they are never forgetting it. As far as they're concerned, your mistake is just, that's who you are. And it's all you are. And I'm not just talking about the scholarship here. <laughs> I'm talking about everything. I mean, they'll smile at you, they'll pat you on the head, but they are never, ever letting you in. But listen, listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't because you don't need them. I mean, they're not gonna give it to you, so what? You're gonna take it. You're gonna do whatever it takes, do you hear me? You are not gonna play by the rules. You're gonna go your own way, you're gonna do what they won't do. You're gonna be smart, you are gonna cut corners, and you are gonna win. They're on the 35th floor, you're gonna be on the 50th floor. You're gonna be looking down on them. And the higher you rise, the more they're gonna hate you. Good, good, rub their noses in it. You make them suffer. You don't matter all that much to them. So what? So what? Screw them. Remember, the winner takes it all. I've got to go get my bus. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? Yes. I think I do. All right. All right, go get her. The following program is intended for mature audiences. could be completely made up could be bullshit I just took her outside and I was listening to this song if you never heard it this is one of the one of my favorite ones that I've come across dude. just the, the beat everything real old school shit dude this one this is what, uh, fuck. What the fuck is, what the fuck is that album, dude? I can't, I don't remember. The double disc where his, his fucking package on the front, I think. Uh, it's got all the, it's got a bunch of good songs on it, dude. 
He's got that track that Michael Jackson produced, which you could totally tell by the beat, 100% all day. When with the with the way that the bass is jumpy, you can tell that Michael Jackson got a hand in that shit, dude. The motherfucker, what's it called? You know, it had closest road dogs. You don't have to worry. Fucking all that shit, dude. God damn it, I I can't. I'm I'm not gonna look it up. I need to remember what it is on my own. I need to remember what it is on my own. I have the fucking double disc in this house somewhere, along with all of his other shit. But that's not the point, dude. Are we okay? Can I really not think of this right now? Oh my god, dude. Maybe it'll, it'll come to me. <laughs> come on. Come on, dude. Come on, dude. Stop. I keep my shit off safety. I've been shooting rocks lately. Everybody got they nickel plates to penetrate me. Now, did you hear that? No, listen. I keep my shit off safety. I've been shooting rocks lately. Everybody got they nickel plates to penetrate me. Automatically. Automatically, my brain goes to Dre. I want to say it has to be Chronic 2001. Now, I don't know what song, but I know he says on there, I've been keeping my shit off safety. For, uh, see, I probably can't even say half the words, so I don't want to. It's uh, Big Egos. That's the one that it is. That's the one that it is. I just got it. I just got it. Hold on. That's what it is. Where is it? I don't ran. Because he says, he says in the beginning of the line, I don't ran with the best of them. <sighs> right? That's a biggie line too, I think. I don't ran with the best of them. What happened? I know the line, dude. Some bullshit about, you know, did whatever to somebody else and blazed at the rest of them. <laughs> what can I say, California? My motherfuckers die every day over some shit they say. I got more class than most of them. There it is. The best of them. Forgave the less of them and, and blazed at the rest of them. What can I say, California? I ain't. When niggas die every Come day, on, give me the line. I roll with my shit off safety. For niggas that been hating me lately and the bitches that want to break me. Now let's say, am I crazy? Did I look too much into that? Uh, do you think he heard it? Now I know he didn't steal the lyrics. But I mean, that's a little odd, no? I think that's very close for it to just be a coincidence. Um, maybe it's nothing. Maybe I'm making something out of nothing. I don't know. I just, I was like, oh, fuck. I think I figured something out. I mean, it turns out I didn't, but, you know. <laughs> Shit. Well, now what do we do? I mean, I can't just fucking... But we're going to get out of there. I'll tell you that. That's what we're going to do. And I don't know. It's been...
one week since you looked at me. I know I had I had a few things that I wanted to talk about. A couple of things that I wanted to discuss here. And I, I wrote them down. And I sent them. To my email. I wrote something down in my phone. Ah, there it is. Suicide simulation therapy. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're out of your fucking mind. What are you talking about? Look, we'll get there. Holy shit. What? It's real. It's real. Alright, look. Real. Stop. No, it's not real. That is real. That's really real. Look at that ugly bitch. Will you knock it off trying to look like the lady from Beetlejuice, bro? I'm scared of you, dude. Shut the fuck up. Bro, if it, if, let me tell you something. If I walked into my door and I saw you standing in the hallway, I would fucking beat the shit out of you, dude. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Get the fuck out of here. I mean, look at that fucking... Just for your eyeballs alone, you should get a whooping, dude. Are you... What? Are you joking? Who, who walks around with eyeballs like that? Nobody. You know why? Because it's fucking rude. And it's uncalled for. That's why. <laughs> Let me get to what I was saying here. Oh, shit. Oh, those are real people. In the Japanese... They're Japanese, I think. Uh, okay, let me get to the point. Let me get to the point. Oh, dude, it's very early. It's 9.56 a.m., and this is how I'm starting my day. This is not good. I don't do shit like this, usually. Not this early. I mean, no. No way. I don't like scary shit in the morning. <laughs> I don't like scary shit at night, either. You know, I'm... I watch a scary movie and I put the fucking, I, I put a nightlight on for a week. <laughs> I mean, hey man, it, that's how you know you made a good film, dude. If you have me freaked out afterwards, even though I know it's not real, it, dude, especially if I watch some shit about ghosts, forget about it, dude. That, that shit fucks me up because then I'm creeping around my house and I'm waiting and I'm looking around. I mean, obviously nothing is there, but that's a different conversation for another day that we have to get into because I got stories and agendas too. Ooh, that's going to be heavy. A lot of you aren't going to believe it, but that's okay. And I don't, I didn't see it. I wasn't never there. Inside. Let's, let's not get sidetracked. Let's not get sidetracked. So, here's what happened. I was listening to my boys Jim and Sam. Sammy Brain Wilkins. Right? And uh, Joe DeRosa was in a studio. And they were talking about Oculus whoever. Right? The thing that you put on your face and you are in alter. I said, I said alternate dimensions. You're way off. I say you're way off this time, son. Nice kid, but a little dumb. What the fuck? Am I? Look, just 
what's not public school alternate reality right you're an alternate reality where you see shit and it feels like it's real i guess because you're your entire sight is taken up. Your brain buys into the fact that this is happening right now. So apparently, there's a game called Plank. Okay, right. You're right. No, but there's a game, and I it freaked me out. I wouldn't do it. Jay, the first thing Jay showed me, he goes, "You got to do Plank," and I was like, "What is it?" That's it's what I'm game. thinking of. You get in an elevator and you go up, and then you walk out like, you know, hundred stories up. You want to do on that, a, Jim? On a yeah. plank, and sure. if you fall off the plank, you fucking fall. And I was like, I'm not. I I couldn't do it. Do you want to do that just I to see how it feels? It. Sure. That's what yeah. I thought too, dude. I once I was in it, I was like, I can't. I wouldn't want to do, do this. It. it was way too. Do you much. have a fan on, so it feels like there's a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go up an elevator, like fifty stories, whatever it is. Next stop, my basement. <laughs> the idea is that you walk out on a ledge. And there's a piece of wood that's just hanging out there. And I guess your your job is to walk out on that wood and stand on it and not fall over. If you fall over, you fall to your death, obviously, right? So, you know, he was saying, Joe DeRosa was saying how he couldn't do it because that shit felt like it was too real for him. And Jim Norton was like, we, when you play it, you need to put a fan on so that the air would be hitting you in the face to make it feel real. And they were laughing about it, and I was like, holy shit. I wonder, I wonder if that would work for suicide. I know, like, I understand this is a very dark and twisted thought. But it's for the greater good. And I know that my phone is listening because the screen is fucking bright as shit right now. So, listen up, guys, because I don't have the fucking money for development. What if they made a suicide simulation and they used it in therapy? Now, hold on, hold on. Because when I was talking this out on my Instagram... I realized that it's a very short-sighted idea because it could only work if you go to jump off a building or a cliff or something. What if you decide that you want to eat a bunch of pills or if you want to cut your wrist, what are they going to do? Are they supposed to put little tube? I, I thought about this. I talked about it for all the 10 minutes, but I had a lot of thoughts going on while I was talking about it. I mean, I even thought you could you could go as far as to wait till this person is asleep. This would never work, obviously. It'd be like a fucking movie. But if you ever seen the game with Michael Douglas, it would be like that. Where you, know, you sedate this motherfucker, and that's not the movie. That doesn't happen in the movie, I'm just saying. Similar thing where you don't know that you're a part of what is happening. You don't know that there's a simulation happening. You think that's for real. The point is, you know, the guy goes to cut his wrist or whatever, and his blood's squirting out everywhere, and he feels weak, and he thinks that it's happening, and then he realizes in the middle of it, I don't want to die. I need an ambulance. I have you at 9212 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. 
That's room number two. What's the emergency? There's been a suicide. Who's the victim? I am. And then everybody kicks the lights on like, well, good, stupid, because you're not going to. This was a simulation so you could see how you really feel, right? The same thing with jumping off a cliff or hanging yourself. Like, there's probably little things that we could do for people who decide that they want to do that. And then I had another thought. Well, this is the, this is the pedophile and the, the sex doll argument, right? Some people, some people think that if you give a pedophile a, a, a sex doll that is the shape and size of a child, that they will, that will deter them from wanting to, wanting to do what their natural instinct is to do. My argument to that is, maybe it's shallow, but my argument is, is simple. I jerk off. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. It's, I do it, you do it. I'm sure your husband does it. I'm sure your wife does it. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever. Most people hide it. They hide it. They don't want people to know. It's a shame, whatever. Mm. It's stupid. You know, I mean, un un unless you're... <laughs> I was about to say, you know, unless you're, unless you're taking fucking great popsicles, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you to be ashamed about? The point is, I jerk off, right? And it gets the job done for a while. But eventually... It's, it's in my nature, it's in my instinct to want to try to shove this thing into somebody. With their permission, of course. Not, you know, forcefully or anything like that. So the idea behind this thing is, you know, even with the doll, for some people I think it would work. For some people I think it would work, but for some other pedophiles, I don't, I don't think it would ever be enough. I think it would be short-lived where it would help and then eventually the craving would get so powerful that it, the, the thing wouldn't do its service anymore and they would have to go out and find a victim be my victim right now i say all of that to say i'm sure you can put the same logic to this suicide thing that i'm talking about for some people, it might stop them from trying to kill themselves. You know, I did hear somewhere that there's this statistic that most people who have survived throwing themselves off a bridge or whatever have realized like a quarter of the way down that all of their problems were not really as big as they thought that they were and that this was not the answer, but it was too. It's too late. They've already jumped. They can't change it. I understand, though. Some people, this could push them for more. This could push them for more, and then this breeds in a whole separate conversation of, like, as I was about to write this down. 
this could breed a whole new group of sick fucks. And I'm a sick fuck myself, so, you know, I don't, I mean that in a deering kind of a way. You know, people that are in the middle of doing these suicide things and they're, they're, they're fucking other people to get a bigger rush. I mean, people smoke bed bugs. That's not, that's not that big of a fucking jump, you know? But I understand that the idea is not well thought out. But I figured, let's save it for here and let's take a look and we'll see if it exists. I mean, I would think. I would think it would help. The problem is if you have, I'm not a doctor. Let me let me just let's let's read this. Let's read this here and see what this is all about. Because maybe this is the what we were looking for. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? You could pay four thousand dollars to feel what it's like to die. Agent has a suicide problem can make believe help. I don't know if I like that line, but there is a little truth to it. Yeah. I don't like the way they put that. This is published May 4th, 2015, 5 in the a.m. by Vice Daniel somebody. Sorry, buddy. I, I don't... I don't pronounce names properly, so I'm going to save the time and not butcher yours. Okay, spoiler alert. One day, you're going to die. <laughs> Tell me about it. I was just in here before I started this fucking thing. I was kind of upset because I was thinking about the... I was thinking about the disease. Like, man, this is, this is fucked up. All the bad habits I have. Like, even if I dropped every one of them. I, you know? It's still going to take me. That's... <laughs> fucked up that's fucked up I can't even I can't even explain to you what that feels like <laughs> you know you drive you drive down the same road every day that has uh, potholes and they finally get patched up just at the end of it before you turn off for you to run over a fucking nail that you knew it was there the whole time but for some reason you couldn't get out of the way and you run it over and you wind up losing your tire anyway even though all that work that you put into it you know it doesn't matter it was for nothing I mean sure maybe it made a difference in the short term but in the long run the end result is still gonna be the same it's just a matter of how but for most people this death hovers over this death hovers on the horizon of our future. The time, place, and cause is unknown. Well the certainty surrounding the end of ends inevitably raises a host of uncomfortable anxiety inducing questions like will I be ready when it happens? Is it going to hurt? Or depending on your outlook, what comes after. I don't think anybody is ever ready. I don't think anybody is ever ready. Even if you're in the worst pain of your fucking life and you want to die, to get it to stop when that moment finally comes. I don't care how religious you are. I don't care what you believe in. I think everybody is scared. 
in that in that moment and that's something that you can never prepare for no matter what you just you, you can't i think it's a primal instinct that every everything that is alive has we all just feel on different levels there's still no answers, but now a handful of entrepreneurs in Asia are experimenting with simulators to help customers better appreciate life by making them feel like they're dead. Ushering in the age of simulated death, which may at last provide some answers to these perennial questions. Ugh, sorry, guys. And... I mean, the two people <clears throat> whose names that I can't, I, I'm, I, dude, uh, you know, ignorant American here, man, H-U-A-N-G-E, is it Haug, I doubt it, I don't even know how you would begin, how do you begin to even, no, no, no. Say it. Pronounce it. Yes. How to pronounce it. Ugh. Huang. What? Huang. Huang? Huang. So the H is not there. The H is there, but it's not there. Okay. Huang and Ding. Of Shanghai, the Chinese co-founders of an oncology-oriented hospice service called Hand in Hand recently launched a 4D death simulator, which in which participants can experience what it's like to get cremated or what cremated or reborn in a uterus. What the fuck are you talking about right now? Did did I read that right? You know, there's a big jump between being cremated and being reborn in a uterus, buddy. What the fuck are you talking about? Somewhere between a therapy session and an amusement park ride. The game is called some other. Uh, let's look it up. That's probably more Spanish. Samadhi. Samadhi. God damn it, I was close. I was really close. Samadhi is clearly meeting a large demand in Asia. The marketplace is... Is it, is it macabre? Oh, these are a lot of words I don't know. Macabre. What the fuck? Macabre. I think we say macabre. That is macabre. I don't know. The project manager, <laughs> Abra Macabra, you're dead. <laughs> project manager to raise a rescue one. Large demand in Asia marketplace, despite the macabre themes. This project managed to raise over 65000 in three months through a crowdfunding campaign on some guy's Kickstarter. Now tucked away in a corner of the window of the world. The amusement park in Sheshen, China. 
Samadhi opened in September 2014 as a game in which players pay $40 to compete a series of challenges in which everyone is trying to avoid the ultimate penalty, death. Players who die in the game and... In the end, all the players that What? So, why would you... Hold on, man. Hold on, man. I know. Players pay $40 to compete in a series challenge, which everyone is trying to avoid the ultimate penalty death. Players who die in the game, and in the end, all players die, are placed in a coffin, and then carried to a large furnace via a conveyor belt. The coffin is heated to 40 degrees Celsius, 105 Fahrenheit, and the combination of hot air and light produces what its creators describe to CNN as an authentic experience of burning. Holy fucking shit. Well, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I need to eat. So, I'm going to leave this right here. I'm going to heat up my breakfast. And then, I'm, I'm not going to read anything else. And then we will come back in here and we will finish this. Okay? Okay. You're born alone and you die alone. And this world just drops a bunch of rules on top of you to make you forget those facts, but I never forget. What? I was so young. Why me? Well, why the fuck not you? What did you think, you were immune to this? Everybody dies, everybody. What makes you so fucking special? Don't give me this phony existential bullshit. I expect better from you. Points right in front of your face. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't see it. You're not even grateful, are you? Grateful? For the worst fucking experience of my life? You hang on to your pain like it means something, like it's worth something. Well, let me tell you, it's not worth shit. Let it go. infinite possibilities and all he can do is whine well, what am i supposed to do what do you think you can do anything you lucky bastard you're alive what's a little pain compared to that I'm just saying, you only get one life. There's no God, no rules, no judgments, except for those you accept or create for yourself. And once it's over, it's over. Alright, we're back in. Now I know this is where I left off. Coven is heated at 40 Celsius. 
Alright, authentic experience of burning. After the cremation, the players see a wound projected on the ceiling, hear a heartbeat. Soon they see a bright light which they must crawl towards so that they might emerge in a R white padded area which is supposed to be represent the rebirth. What the fuck? While the idea of actively seeking out such attraction sounds too perverse to be true, the idea of faking our own death has tantalized human imaginations for centuries. Shakespeare wrote about it, so did Jonathan Swift, Mark Twain, Thomas Hardy, and a whole host of others. Outside of fiction, Dozens of people have faked their own deaths, although normally for a less than admirable reason. Creator of... Fuck, I forgot how to say it. Samadhi, I think. Are looking to change this by turning fake deaths from... A tool for tax and marriage evasions into... An innovative new method for saving lives and improving mental health. The coven is heated at 105 degrees Fahrenheit, which hot air and light produces what its creators describe as an authentic... You already said that. The seeds of somebody can be found in an analog precursor called the Coffin Academy which began in South Korea a little over five years ago, founded by young... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to try the names. The goal of this academy was to help people approach death and dying in response to a manner exploring both the physical and social aspects of dying in order to help his customers better appreciate living while they're still around to enjoy it. In an interview with the LA Times, he also claimed that his seminar was to help combat suicide in Korea, which is the highest suicide rate in the world. Korea has a problem with its suicide rates are off the charts, said Mark Somebody Kaplan, Professor of social right yeah professor of social welfare at UCLA who has spent over two decades studying studying suicide and prevention suicide is a reflection of a condition of society as a whole Korea is a country that that's desperate to address their problem of the suicide mortality in this desperation to address this deep-seated social problem, Kaplan believes accounts for why companies pay $25 a head to have this fucking other guy host his morbid self-help seminars at various South Korean corporation functions. Samsung required 900 of its employees to undergo one of the academy sessions. For example, during the four-hour seminar, participants write out their own emphasis. Is that what that is? 
We're going to be looking up a lot of words, apparently. Epitaph. Oh, well, clearly I can't read. Write out their own epitaphs, which which is what? I've heard that word before. A phrase or form of words written in memory of a person who has died, especially as an inscription on a tombstone. Okay. Compose last letters to their loved ones and are placed in a coffin for 10 minutes, among other activities. Jesus. Yeah, but that is a help. I understand. Writing letters is supposed to help the participants emphasize with those who remain alive to deal with the loss of a loved one. The epitaph to help them realize the meaning they have in life and a coffin is to reinforce the notion that the infinite blackness of death may not be such a sweet relief after all. Although there have been fears that such simulations might have the exact opposite effect. See, this is what I was talking about. These simulations may just push people over the edge. Fearing that simulations may keep Simulations may make people more likely to come to terms with death than life, but he is not skeptical about the possible negative repercussions of the program. Rather, he doubts that it will have any effect on the rate of suicide whatsoever. So that means he doesn't think it will work. I see nothing out there that gives me any type of confidence in these types of programs. It seems... Ugh, come on, man. You know, using fancy fucking words just to make yourself sound smarter. Panacea. Solution or remedy for all difficulties or diseases. Confidence in these types of programs. It seems like a panacea for a problem that many Asian countries have with suicide, particularly Korea. Samadhi 4D... Death Simulator, which just opened in China, operates along similar lines, albeit with the site of different prerogatives. Recent studies suggest that South Korea raids far space out in Chinese counterparts as the latter's suicide rate dropped from one of the highest in the world to one of the lowest in the last few years. So it Seems to be working. Hey, I got a great idea, nigga. <laughs> Kill yourself. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I thought about it the other day. You should probably kill yourself. <laughs> uh, why don't you kill yourself? <laughs> kill yourself. Thus, the 4D death simulator in China is less about helping people find a reason to live than simply providing them a way for people to get the experience of being cremated and hopefully become more comfortable with their own mortality. While it would be easy to dismiss this as a little bit more than kitschy theme park attraction, according to its creator... It was the result of both an existential angst and a hearty amount of research. Okay, so two people 
co-founded Hand in Hand for Cancer Patients, which death already weighing heavy on their minds, Rue went on a quest of finding the meaning of life in the aftermath of the 2008 earthquake in China. Rue spent two years taking spiritual gurus from different religions, or talking, rather, not taking them. Oh, I lost my spot. At the meaning of life discussions, which inevitably prompted him to begin developing Samanji in hopes that it would help people overcome their fears of death and dying. Yo, are you afraid to die? Or do you want to live forever? Tell me. The next step was to visit an actual crematorium to get the incinerator, which with the heaters off, of course, so that it might be the closest thing to the real, might be the closest to the real thing as possible. Having patients write their own epitaphs, eulogies, and farewell letters have long been a trend in branches of psychology, such as an existential therapy, although the appearance of an all-inclusion death experience, like a coffin academy, and Samaji is somewhat new and appears to be gaining popularity. Another venue called, I'm assuming that's Linux, located in Shanghai's Pudo district, began offering its own experience last April, which patients participate in a slightly more rigorous iteration. 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 Repetition of process, utterance, repetition of mathematical, or, all right, whatever. We're, we're getting there. We'll get through it. Again, public school. Why haven't you learned anything? What do you want from me? Never claim to be the smartest. I'm not the smartest motherfucker in shit. I don't pretend to be. And why I am the way I am is not a mystery. My mind's not in proper work in order. We're in therapy. The appearance of an all-inclusive death experience is somewhat new. Yeah, why do you do that? I guess it's for people that are just skimming through the article. According to the Chinese newspaper, the Global Times, Linux clients pay upwards of $4,000 for treatments in which they walk through the room where there are videos projected on the wall, disembodied voices reminding the audience of the insignificance of material possessions. They also experience intense day-long meditation, counseling sessions, fake burials, and writing their own epitaphs. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but ain't that a bitch? You gotta have four grand just to even try to simulate your way out of fucking suicide. Ain't that a motherfucker, dude? You gotta be rich just to not want to die. Because four grand, I don't know what you got in your wallet, but for me, four grand might as well be a million. Because I know I don't got that shit just lying around on my couch cushions. Patients genuinely seem positive generally seem positive while they experience themselves while the experiences themselves often manage to induce high levels of anxiety grief and rebirth which conclude each unraveling of the coffin is more 
than a metaphysical for Kaplan and other critics focusing on individuals' psychology of suicide neglects the larger problem with his systemic in nature. Around the world, if you study the figures of psychology or psychopathology, figures less predominantly in suicide in non-Western cultures, I think we need to be cognizant of the fact that this is not simply a psychological problem, but a social and cultural problem. Have you ever thought about death? I think everybody has. This is, so this is a little bit different from, because you're dealing with the end result, but maybe that's because that's the only way to do it, really. Like, you can't, you can't fake a suicide. But the, the point would be to get the reaction for their natural instincts to kick in, which would want to stop them from doing that. But they realize that they want to live. But then the problem with that is after it's done, how long does it last for that's really the question. Is this something that would need to be done on a daily basis? Or is it just edging toward eventually doing it for real? It's kind of heavy. Proliferation of death simulators in Asia may indicate the emergence of a... Oh my god. This is so bad. Other people don't do this, probably. Virgin. Being, begin to grow or increase rapid flourishing. Proliferation of death simulators in Asia may indicate the emergence of a burrowing new area of research into mental health, which simulated environments are used to cope with grief and suicidal thoughts or may simply be existential an existential swindle which means bullshit right there's been no quantitative data released which measures the effectiveness of such therapies as it is unlikely that such measurements are even being taken if measurements are in fact being recorded, the companies aren't advertising them, and I was unable to reach the entrepreneurs for a comment in this story. Leave your stupid comments in your pocket. In spite of the criticism, it looks as though the death simulations are here to stay at least for a while, although still relatively rudimentary. The increasing sophistication of virtual reality technologies and understanding the neurological facts of death, which have reached a point where scientists are able to induce near-death experiences in rats, may very well pave the way for death simulations that are virtually indistinguishable from the real deal, for better or worse. In the meantime, one thing is certain. Asia has a suicide problem and it's high time this problem is addressed. Whether or not simulations of cremations, amusement park rides are the appropriate way to go about it is an open question.
Damn. So, I don't know, dude. This makes me think. I mean, obviously, he brought it up at the end. So, here's my first thought. How do you know? How do you know what is... What is close to the real deal death experience? Who makes that call? Do you have people... Who have died and come back? To be like, okay, this is what happens. Like, we... We've all heard the story. You know, when you... When you pass, there's a bright... It's been in television and movies forever. At least as, as far back as I can remember. You see the bright light. Walk towards the light. All that bullshit. From what I understand... Again, I've heard this... I can't necessarily say that it's true. I need to figure out a better mic placement because the volume is probably all over the place. Can't necessarily say that's true, but let's say that it is. That that's what happens. Even duplicating, even duplicating that that feeling or that experience how is this see I don't know I don't know because even even at my lowest even at my lowest points in my life right which I'm I'm not stupid I'm not stupid I know that there are some people who have never have never felt these types of feelings before they've never felt depressed enough to be suicidal there's people that have never attempted to mutilate themselves and or actually attempt suicide even though the way the way that it seems to be talked about is when when we address it and I mean when I say we I mean the people with maybe past experiences or depression issues we seem to address it as if everybody understands what it is that we're talking about and a lot of people do but I would think most people don't Make sure everybody gets depressed from time to time for a variety of reasons. But there's a big difference between I'm upset, I'm depressed, I'm unmotivated, and it's time to close the curtain. There's a big difference between those things. But even in my lowest, my lowest points... Where, you know, I've mentioned it before, where the pain has gotten so bad that I've been curled up in a ball and just thought about if I had the balls, if I had the balls, I would do it, right? Something like this doesn't necessarily address that. This this seems to only address one thing, which is 
This is, you know what, this is like, here's the, here's the perfect comparison I can make for you. This is, you are hungry, and rather than eating food, somebody hands you a boost or an insure, which you still, you get the feeling that you've become full now in some type of way. But it doesn't, it doesn't completely, doesn't completely address it. Like something like this is for, all right, I'm depressed and I want to kill myself. Why? The why is the important part. What brought you to that? Because I think depending on what brought you to this crossroads, is going to depend on whether something like this would help you or not. Maybe. In an instance of a breakup. This may help you. Because you could put life back into proper perspective. Relationships begin. They end. And life goes on. Even though in the moment it feels like. It could never, it can never go on, right? Versus being, being in constant pain or just not feeling like, you know, I, this is, this is wild that I'm about to say this, but. There's a lot of talk about trans, insert word here, transsexuals, right? People think in their mind they're one thing and in body they're another. Trans ableist, that's in the future at some point. I have to circle back around and, and finish that one out. But that one is going to be rough. There could be people. And I'm sure people in the trans community would not be happy with this assumption. But could you not. What would you even call it? I have no idea. But could you could you not. Could you not take somebody who is born as walking around and they think that they were not supposed to be? Right? Let's let's take all the factors out of the equation. Bad upbringing. And when I mean bad, I mean neglectful parents, bullying, <laughs> disease, whatever whatever the situation is. Take all of that away. And now we're just we're talking about somebody who is alive, but they feel like they should have never been born in the first place. <clears throat> Would that fall under the umbrella of that same thinking? I don't know. This is why I need to talk to somebody in that community about things like this to try to get a better understanding because I don't just like. You could be listening to this right now. You don't. You have no idea what 
what it feels like to live with what I have going on, right? I have no idea what it's like for them to live with those thoughts and experiences that, that they have had. But again, the bigger question here is, how do we address these other issues? We're only addressing the end game. We're not, we're not addressing the different causes because I would think, okay, cancer patients who are for sure going to die. This could be helpful for them because it, it relaxes them. I guess some, some people would, would think so. It relaxes them. I would think. I would think it would make me more nervous. Because it would be like. Well if. There's no. There's no guarantee. That that's what it's going to be like. How do we know it's not something completely different. We'll see if this is the same. Oh there's a video. So I don't have to read all this. And torture you all. Yeah I don't want. Can I just read the article. And then decide whether I want to fucking sign up. Hold on. We got no sound. I don't know what's happening. So there's a, a woman. Why does it do that? Stop it. So there's a woman with an Oculus thing on her face. And she's standing in front of a pole. In place. Behind her is a small set of tracks with what looks to be a head. What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? On a stick. Like a, a... Looks like it would be a green screen head. And it's... Okay. As she moves, the head moves to look at what she's looking at. Okay, that's interesting. So what are we doing? Okay, there's a lady that is standing on the side and monitoring what this woman is doing. And there's a little thing here. There's a little thing on this machine that she's standing in front of. That's just lightly tapping her on the chest. Almost, you know, one of those things that... Like a metronome. Almost. Except it's just one. Yeah, she's smiling. People are in the background conversating. Oculus. We see that. Now the head is all the way back. Behind her. I guess now it ends. Oh, and she had headphones on as well. Okay, so there's no... There's no sound of them talking. They're not mic'd up. I don't understand. What? That's not English. Not even close. Alright. To tackle death, anxiety, or long-terminally ill patients, Dr. Frank Klopman has designed 
device that simulates near-death experience using virtual reality. But I think we found it. Visitors to Dutch Design Week were invited to try out the experimental device which explores how new computer technologies can address the physiological issues such as the fear of mortality. The outer body experience simulated by Outro Specter. Let me see if I can get that right. Outrospective. No, so it's not going to read it for me. We're just going to have to assume that I said it right. We both know I didn't. Could provide therapy for dying people by gently acclimating them to the sensation of death. The device releases, or relies rather, on footage of real environments instead of computer-generated visuals, such as Users stand directly in front of the robot head, which is fitted with a 3D camera on each eye. The head is mounted to a vertical trolley track, allowing it to move forwards and backwards. The camera transmits a live video stream to the user who watches it through a VR headset as long as the camera glides away from their body. The robot mimics the head movement in real time, allowing the user to look around and observe their environment. It also has ears. Two microphones positioned the opposite side of its face to intensify the feeling of displacement. Our brains utilize subtle differences between in timing and oh my god that looks like timbre I know that's not timbre yeah okay why is this pronounced timbre it's spelled t-i-m-b-r-e the English language doesn't make any goddamn sense can knife bell knife now, once again, church, I sounded this motherfucker out. Mmm. Knife. Mmm. Knife. N-I-F-E. Knife. She said, no, no, I'm sorry. It's K-N-I-F-E. This bitch is stupid. She really is. Uh, yes, that would be knife. Knife. This is what she told me in front of the whole class. She said, the K is silent. I said, then take that quiet motherfucker out then, because it's confusing me. To identify the original orange detected sound in a direction distance of where you are in relation to it. Same goes for the video feed. By removing the ears from the body and placing them in a different location, your sense of location and presence can be hacked. Third element is automatic hammer that taps the chest each second to mimic a heartbeat, which can help to make the experience more physical. He also added a mirror at the end of the track so that the users are shocked by the reflection when they see a robot peers into it. The experience of being present outside of your body can also 
convincingly subtle, can be so convincingly subtle that we break the illusion. We believe the experience is most powerful when you are mentally aware of what is going on, and yet your other senses are convincing you otherwise. Fortified people currently experience sensations of physically moving or being present in different locations and have few records of being in two places at once. With the outro specter, Coquelin intends to start a conversation on how designers can induce a new culture of acceptance and openness about death in hospitals. He says that there is currently too much focus on keeping ill patients alive rather than improving the quality of the time that they have left. The fear and experience of death is a neglected topic. If we begin treating our anxieties surrounding death, it may mean that the process of dying could be more comfortable. In a developed world, the majority of people die in a hospital or in home care, turning death into a medical into medical experiences, but doctors are trained to save and prolong lives, not tense or demise. They simply lack the tools. This guy graduated from the Royal College of Art in 2015, says the next step will begin to run the project or scientific tests. He says it's too early to tell the treatment could be applied, but claims that outer body experiences become increasingly powerful on each try. The outro specter was part of the Embassy of Health expedition at the Dutch Design Week in Edinburgh last month. Expedition also featured open surgery project go fuck yourself oh hell no open source machine that allows people to perform keyhole surgeries on themselves using a playstation controller who the fuck would want to do that jen would do that <laughs> she totally would do that also during the festival Dzen hosted a series of talk discussions on how design could be what how design can solve global issues. These talks are available via our good design for a bad world page. Dude, go back on the couch. I don't know why you're hurting yourself to be on the floor. Okay, this is, we've come to a dark place, dude. I don't know, I don't know how to handle this. So, we figured out that the technology is starting to be out there. We got one guy who is working on simulating a death, and the other guy is simulating out-of-body experiences which i would assume falls in line to if if you have a religious preference that you know in every cartoon you've ever seen when the character dies the spirit hops out of the body and floats around and 
because they can see themselves and other people. So is it to make it more comfortable with that? But it still doesn't. It's not addressing. It's not addressing the main thing, which would be how do we. How do we work through? Treatments vary, right? Something that works for you probably won't work for me. Some people take something like Lexapro and that helps them. Made me miserable. Side effects, feeling horrible. You know, just the medicine, oftentimes it made it feel worse. The Paxil, I had nothing, no feeling at all whatsoever. That's not, that's not a healthy solution. I want to be able to, want to be able to still feel things, still experience things, just not, not have the, the darkness of it all be so heavy. Speaking of darkness, you want to talk about dark thoughts, dude. I was just sitting here, and I swear to God, this is fucked up, but, you know, I had a thought of my English teacher, my English slash reading teacher, listening to this podcast, and halfway through, she's struggling with the idea of sticking a fucking gun in her mouth, so... (laughs) (laughs) I don't wish anything bad to happen to that woman. It was just my severe lack of being able to read certain words made me think of that. And it made me laugh. Not because, again, I know it's a horrible thought to have, but it just, it seemed funny to me. But that's my dark sense of humor. So, sorry, Miss Duffy. I don't, it's not personal. (laughs) You know? But we can't... I don't think we've figured that out yet. Oh, man. It's, isn't it crazy? Robots with technology along with it that puts over your... You put over your fucking eyeballs in your alternate dimension. But if you set one type of a plant on fire, you're going to jail. It's fucking crazy. Which, I mean, dude... I don't know. This is this is not what I was expecting at all to come out of this. But to be honest with you, I had no idea what was going to be on the other side of this. But we found some shit. Randomized controlled trial. ASSIP is highly effective in reducing suicide risk. What is that? Dude, we can go down a rabbit hole for days. Apparently there's video games that help suicide, what therapists need to know. On average, one person dying of suicide every 15.2 minutes. God damn. It's gotta be one of the most relatable subjects. Evaluating a teen with suicidal ideation. Yeah, dude, we can we can literally go down a rabbit hole of this all day and read different articles. I think we hit on the two big ones. Now, I'm sure somebody out in internet land probably has heard about this, knows a lot more than I do. 
about these types of situations. But the one thing that I do know about is I understand what it's like to just be right on the edge. I'm not now. I may be in the future, not by choice, but it happens. So how do we how do we fix that? I don't I don't think we can. Especially it's, I mean I can't speak for other people. I can only tell you about what I have thought, think, felt and feel. That's it. I don't know what what goes on in other people's minds. Thinking about it right now, I don't think I don't think there is a way to I don't think there is a way to address it. I really don't. Because here's the reality. Is is going to happen sooner or later. I need to change my fucking my life. But all the changes are not going to fix it. But the problem is by not changing it, I'm not guaranteed that this shit is going to take me out yet. Hopefully. Just say, who am I kidding? Of course I am. People get fucking wrecked with what I have. I've heard horror stories, dude. Horror stories. This is a, this is a rough spot. I think the I think the weed would help for a calm factor. Also, I think DMT is not a bad move. I think for some people who can handle that. I know mushrooms. Psychedelics are being used in microdoses to help people with PTSD and cancer patients, terminally ill people. Maybe some combination of all of these therapies together. I mean, essentially, all these people are doing the epitaph thing really gets to me. Because, I mean, I'm sure... If you've been depressed or suicidal, you've you've written shit to people that you care about. Maybe that's not everybody's process. Then, of course, you get rid of it so nobody ever sees it. But, I don't know, man. I don't think I can, I don't think I can make the point the way it needs to be made. There's a, I agree, writing shit out to the people that you care about makes you realize the impact of the loss that you will be inflicting on other people. However, again, depending on what we're talking about, if you, if you live a life full of pain, at some point you convince yourself that other people will understand. But they they never will. It's happened several times. 
where I was seeing people at the end of the road. They're in the hospital bed. They're on life support. There's no person in there anymore. Maybe there is. This is the opposite of the abortion issue. Is there's a fucking person that's basically in in a fucking coma, for lack of a better term. They're not sleeping. I mean, they're not sleeping. They're not speaking. We don't know what's going on in their heads. Are they alive in there? I would imagine. But there's no way for all of us to know. How do we know that this this is the argument? When the family begins to fight about pulling the plug, the argument then becomes, obviously everybody jumps to, what if the person could get better? Even if the doctor says there's absolutely no way this person is going to get better. I think we think about what it would be like to be in that bed. What if our brains are still working? What if we hear everything that's going on and for whatever reason we just can't move our mouths to to let everybody know that we're in attendance? Do they, you know, I kind of wonder, do they, do they let go? Is that what happens? When you've finally gotten to that point, do you decide in your mind that the fight is over? And that's when it happens and you just have to sit and wait around for somebody to pull the plug? This brings up euthanasia. I've, I've seen it. I've watched the process. They they give you. I think it starts out every hour. Morphine, and I think Ativan. It's some some type of depression medicine. Then they bump it up. Every. 45 minutes every half hour until eventually it's every 15 minutes the idea behind this is that they basically they're slowly overdosing you but the idea is that you slip away into a drug-induced coma before you could feel anything this is a whole another dark stretch of road I don't, there's, there would be a whole group of people that I would have to talk to to try to put this into perspective. Heroin addicts. Why? Why heroin addicts? Well, when they're not out, where did they go? Right? We know they're there. But they're not there. Are they, are they conscious? Do they know what's going on around them? Are they dreaming? What is happening? Is everything just black? I don't know. Coma patients. When you're in that coma, do you can you hear people speak to you? The television in the room, the music playing on the stereo, maybe if, if people bring in your favorite music, because supposed that it's supposed to help your brain. Can you can you hear that? Do you dream while you're in the coma, or is everything just black until it isn't? I mean, I have to get sedated. To get dental work done. To get my teeth extracted. And. 
when they put that needle in my arm about three seconds later there's nothing there's nothing it's like if you close your eyes for a moment and then the next thing you know they're shaking me and waking me up telling me that it's over there's nothing there and apparently I'm present the entire time they had complications one of the last times they did it and as I was fighting them it, it was a mess I, I had a I had a nightmare about it I thought was a nightmare that you know I was making up in my head and I found out later that what I was saying to this dude actually happened like it was a fight and there was blood everywhere it was a, a horrific mess but so the point that I'm getting at is I'm unknowingly I'm conscious but I have no immediate memory the fuck does that mean and I know this this has gone way past suicide simulation but I think it's all relative in a way I don't know man this is this is a tough one because do we know we don't know nobody knows we need to get this information from a bunch of different people and unfortunately I don't think I'm gonna be able to get that information you know if you know somebody that would be willing to shed some light on one or more of these things if they were in a coma, would they experience, if they can remember, you know, with the, where do you go when you're not shit like that, like, it's, it's stupid to even try to ask, but I'm, I'm trying to, trying to figure out, I guess, if, if they think this shit helps the end, you know, there's, there's different, there's different ways that we get there and it seems like it's only being focused on one way which is the desire to go not how we got there or where we go once the treatment is over but I am the least qualified person to probably be even attempting to discuss this like i'm not a scientist i don't know anything about psychology i understand i understand how i understand the thoughts and the feelings to get you to that point I may not have gone to school for 14 years to be a licensed psychologist or therapist or whatever the the proper word is, but I've been around enough people to see a range of emotions, the way that different people act in certain situations. It's it 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 definitely is not this cut and dry. Is the point that I'm trying to get at. I mean, this was a, this is a good conversation. 
I feel like this is a good conversation to have. It's dark. A lot of people are going to be uncomfortable, I think. Most people probably won't listen to this because they don't want to entertain the idea of going into that dark space. I don't I don't blame you for that. I think most people that are there wouldn't wouldn't want to be. If you gave somebody a choice between you could be you can never have these thoughts or feelings again or you can go in and out of it. I'll leave this here. I'll edit it up. This this is going to be like the fourth part. I have no idea how long this is going to be. If any of it is even going to make sense. Just as a reminder, Live in the Birds every Saturday. iTunes, Anchor, Spotify. Rate the podcast on your favorite platform. That makes it more visible for other people to see it. And follow the social medias at Laughing Birds Pod on the Instagram, at Laughing Birds on Twitter.